This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks, everybody. Please have a seat, everybody. You're too kind. Welcome. Welcome, one and all, to The Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. And tonight, ladies and gentlemen, I come to you... I am, I am, I am over the moon because yesterday an American spacecraft came back from it. Here's what's happening. You may have read NASA is working on something called the Artemis Program. It's going to be the first human trip to the moon since the early 70s, okay? We're getting your golf ball back, Alan Shepard. <laughs> All right? Play it where it lies. And the mission passed its first big test this past month with a launch in the middle of the night, lunar orbits, and then a safe splash town in the Pacific yesterday, completing its 26-day, 1.4-million-mile journey. Welcome back, Orion. <laughs> Job well done. Been gone for a month. I have so much to tell you about White Lotus. <laughs> Even more exciting, Orion's historic ocean plop came 50 years to the day after the last Apollo mission, Apollo 17, landed on the lunar surface in 1972. That is amazing. The last time we flew to the moon, I looked like this. <laughs> Worry, he was a worried kid. It's true. It's true what they say. The camera really does add 50 years. <laughs> the Orion capsule was, in this case, an uncrewed vessel, but it did contain a mannequin named Commander Munikin Campos and two mannequin torsos named Helga and Zohar. <laughs> in space, no one can hear you scream, Helga Zohar, who took your legs? <laughs> I don't know why, just torsos. Why would they just send torsos? The mannequin's uh, job was to test the effects of radiation on the human body, which is why Helga and Zohar were made of materials that mimic the soft tissue, organs, and bones of a woman. <laughs> a big day for science. Huge day for the loneliest nerd at NASA. Uh, good news, fellas. I've done extensive personal research on mimicking the tender touch of an actual human woman. <laughs> Please meet my lovely robot companion, Squeezella, and I'm being escorted out. Okay. <laughs> I'm being... I'm being escorted. I'm going... There you go. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Speaking of things that should be launched into space, Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene... <laughs> seen here... <laughs> seen here pretending the edible didn't just kick in. Green uh, was in the Big Apple this weekend to speak at a meeting of 
the New York Young Republican Club, where she was celebrated by New York's young Republican community, Trent. <laughs> Green. Green got on the mic and denied that she was involved in organizing the January 6th insurrection for one insane reason. And I want to tell you something. If Steve Bannon and I had organized that, we would have won. So, by we, she means the rioters, and would have won, she means overthrown the government? So, siding with the bad guys. What's it like to watch movies with her? I'm not sure what Jurassic means, but I can tell you, if Steve Bannon and I had been on that island, we would have eaten Laura Dern and Sam Neill for sure. <laughs> bones and all. Bones, bones, bones and all. She greened on. I come to Washington. I swear in on January 3rd, I get accused of giving insurrection tours, which I thought was hilarious because I couldn't even find the bathroom in the Capitol. And based on what they smeared on the walls of the rotunda, neither could the rioters. <laughs> For those of you out there who don't know what I'm talking about, uh, what was it again, Madam Speaker? The poo poo. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for your decades of leadership, ma'am. <laughs> when she wasn't advocating for shooting Capitol policemen, Green weighed in on the other major issue facing Americans, butt stuff. By the way, you can pick up a butt plug or a dildo at Target and CBS nowadays. Okay. <laughs> I just learned something. Target sells butt plugs. Now we know what their logo's supposed to be. <laughs> and... <laughs> and why... Why can't the people trying to overthrow our country be more like the fun ones in Germany? Because last week, Deutsche Police rounded up 25 far-right extremists who planned to overthrow the German government, including a self-styled prince, a retired paratrooper, a Berlin judge, a doctor, a cook, a pilot, a classical tenor, ein Joker, ein Smoker, ein Midnight Toker. <laughs> Some call him Maurice. Nothing? Nothing? Okay. <laughs> Apparently, their plan was to take control of the world's fourth largest economy, abolish its democracy, and install an obscure septuagenarian aristocrat as emperor. Come on, Germany. You're a modern country. You don't want a septuagenarian emperor. You want an octogenarian president. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? That's what we're, what we're talking about. Before, before you guys got here. The aristocrat in question is 71-year-old Heinrich XIII, Prince Royce, who uses the royal title despite Germany abolishing any formal role for royalty more than a century ago. So, basically, Prince Heinrich is about as much a monarch as Queen Latifah. <laughs> At least she uses her throne to fight injustice here on CBS. The Enforcinator, Sundays at 5. <laughs> CBS. <laughs> Heinrich XIII's behavior is not sitting well with the rest of his Teutonic clan. At least according to family spokesman Heinrich XIV. <laughs> a distant cousin who, like all male heirs to the Royce throne, is also named Heinrich. That's got to be tough at family reunions. Heinrich! Heinrich! I was so sorry to hear about Heinrich. Yeah, I loved Heinrich, but you know who I hate? Heinrich. Of course. <laughs> Me too, not as much as Heinrich. Shh, here comes Heinrich. <laughs> Character, character. 
Turns out, uh, the cook insurrectionist I mentioned earlier in the list is a famous German celebrity chef, Frank Heppner, who is thought to be a member of the command staff of the military arm of the terrorist group. He's the most extreme terrorist chef since the Food Network finally canceled Osama bin cooking. <laughs> Back in terrible show. Uh, why would they give him that show? Why on earth? Back in America, the big political story this weekend was that Kirsten Cinema announced she is leaving the Democratic Party and registering as an independent. That is shocking. Kirsten Cinema was a Democrat? <laughs> This announcement, <laughs> she was a what? <laughs> this announcement came on the heels of Raphael Warnock's victory, which guaranteed the Democrats full control of the Senate. There you go. So, naturally, Cinema decided to make it about her. She's like the person who shows up to your wedding wearing white or goes to your funeral in a coffin. <laughs> oh, this old thing? <laughs> See, it's a wearing This is huge news and would be even bigger if it changed anything because Cinema said she expects to keep her same committee assignments, which means she'll caucus with the Democrats, and told Arizonans, nothing will change about my values or my behavior. So rest assured, she may be an independent now, but still sucks. <laughs> On Friday, On Friday, uh, our friend uh, Jake Tapper asked Cinema about how this doesn't affect the balance of power in the Senate. What you're doing today doesn't change that? It's still basically going to be 51-49? Well, I know you have to ask that question, Jake. Yeah. But that's kind of a D.C. thing to worry about. I'm not really spending much time worrying about what the mechanics look like for Washington, D.C. You work in Washington, D.C. That's what your constituents hired you to go do. That's like a pilot saying... Uh, attention passengers, I know you have to ask these questions about the left engine being on fire, but that's kind of a plane issue. I'm not spending much time worrying about the mechanics of this plane. Anyway, gotta go. Lots of flashy lights and beep, beep, boop, boops happening up here. Hey, that's a pretty mountain. Back. Back when she was a Democrat, Cinema was laser-focused on her number one priority, undermining Democrats. She blocked Biden's initial Build Back Better proposal, blocked Democratic attempts to increase taxes on corporate America, and she torpedoed raising federal minimum wages with a curtsy and a thumbs-down. It was the most disrespectful dismissal of the working-class Americans since Herbert Hoover mooned Dust Bowl farmers. <laughs> Cinema's new party affiliation puts her in the same camp as other independents who caucus with the Democrats, like Angus King and Bernie Sanders, but Sanders doesn't necessarily want her in the club. He recently referred to her as a corporate Democrat. It's true, she's always shilling for corporations. She's clearly in the pocket of Spirit Halloween. <laughs> I'm not sure becoming an independent is going to help Cinema. In a recent poll, a solid 54% of Arizona Republicans, 57% of Democrats, and 51% of independents don't like her. That's everybody. <laughs> if only, if only there were some universal gesture to represent how the people of Arizona feel about Kirsten Cinema. There you go. <laughs> we got a great show for you tonight. 
Coming up, Common. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Ladies and gentlemen, my friends, my countrymen. My first guest tonight is an artist, actor, author, and activist who is now making his Broadway debut in the play Between Riverside and Crazy. Please welcome back to The Late Show, Common. Nice to see you. Happy holidays. Great to see you. Happy holidays. Are you, have you having a happy time of the year for you? Yes, man. I love Christmas time. It's like, it just makes me feel like a kid. I just... A lot of people in a joyous space overall. And the streets are packed oh, right man. now. I haven't seen New York like this in three or four years. I mean, yeah. and, and doing Broadway, getting to that theater during this time is yeah. it's a struggle sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I, heard, I actually heard, I want to get to this in, in a minute, I want to get to that story in a minute. I heard you had a little trouble yeah, getting little to the trouble. theater on time, but let's, let, let's earn it. First, yeah. every, every, everyone, of course, knows who you are now, but 30 years ago, when your first album came out, people didn't necessarily know who Common was. Your first album was, Can I Borrow a Dollar? There You Are. <laughs> 20 years old. Yes. Just take off the beard, you look exactly the same. Man, please, I wish, but... Uh, That's clean living, you. I guess. Thank you, yeah, I mean... Now, you said, you said back then, you said, a lot of hip-hop artists don't think expressing what really exists in their life is going to get sales or respect, but to me, that's the only way to win. Why do you think that you were that self-assured of a 20-year-old? Because not every 20-year-old has that sense of confidence yeah. in their own message and their own mission. Well, I think it was um, the love I got from my mother, my belief in God, my belief in myself. And I was surrounded, I, I was in an environment that kind of encouraged me to be able to be myself and be free. So well, when I- Describe that environment. Like, are these your friends? Who yeah, was these that? were my friends and it was great to have a peer group like that was my age that would, that would allow me to be myself and, you know, vice versa. We all kind of supported each other, you know, as young men, young black men, just being like, okay, you're into this? Okay, cool. Like, and, and you different? Okay, cool. So it was, it kind of provided that platform for me to say, hey, I can go out in the world and be myself because I'm not afraid of what people will say because I have love here at the foundation. That's, that's interesting. I think when I talk to young artists, yeah. When I talk to young artists or young people of, of, of any description, one of the things I really want them to know is that there's a place for you as you are. That there's a is, place for the you you are. That is so powerful, Stephen. And it's like, the more and more we encourage our young people to know that like, hey, you can be as unique and different. Um, it's just about being, finding that truth within yourself. Mm -hmm. and, and it takes, you know, I'm, I can't say I had it all together and, and still, I'm, I'm still growing and learning, but, at 20 years old, I was just like, hey, I'm going to go on this path. I have, a, I have a belief in myself. I have a dream. And I feel I'm purposed to do this. So if some people say, like, because that first album came out, 
ain't a lot of people didn't know that album. You know, we, we talk about it and celebrate it for 30 years now, but I mean, I could celebrate the 30 year anniversary, but it wasn't like popular or nothing. It was like I had yes. I had to work. You, you got there. Yeah, you got, got there. there. The got hard there. work. You got there. Yeah. So so you got yourself a marketable trade, uh, improvisationally rhyming. Yes. And it's a marketable skill. <laughs> but then you decided to put that aside for a bit and and act. Why a Why would you want to take that risk and do the acting as well? Had it been something that you wanted to do for a long time? I always loved theater, films. I loved like going to see plays. But those early auditions, like what, 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 what oh. was that like for you? Oh, that was like, oh man, one of my first auditions, no, nah, it wasn't even the first, it was deep into the audition process. I remember I got a call to go play a, a coach um, and a football coach. And I went in with my little coach shorts and, and a whistle and a, and a coach whole shirt. nine yards. Yeah, the whole thing. And I did my thing. I thought I was, you know, I was sweating doing what, what needed to be done in the scene and they, they said, okay, good job. You know, they said what they need to say. And then they called my agent and said, he's green. He, he's not ready yet. He's green. Mm. And it was, you know, for some, obviously, you, you don't, rejection is something you learn in acting. You learn to get to get rejected. Yes. But it also gave me fuel to, to be better and to do better. And the next audition I went on, went on was called, for a film called Smoking Aces. And I got my first call back. And then I got my first role right yes, after yes. that. So I took that, I took that no yes. and said, okay, I have to work on it. I have to be better. And I, and I, didn't, I didn't let that discourage me because I, I believe that the overall theme and process for this was I'm an actor and I want to be an actor and I want to grow and become a great actor. So it's going to take the work. Well, you know, some young actors often say, and I've said this to someone recently, that when you walk in that room, you're the one sometimes who isn't rooting for yourself. You're down on yourself. But when you walk in that room, those people behind that little table waiting for your audition, they want this to be the last audition of the day. They want you to be exactly the right person. They're pulling for you they like they're your mom you. or dad. Yeah, and it's, I feel like auditioning is such a like metaphor for life because you do have to go in with a belief. Mm -hmm. And... Sometimes the room is not warm. Sometimes the... the it never the, feels warm. It, it, and you do have to... You can psych yourself out, like, by saying, oh, they don't want me, or, man, this person looked at me funny, but it's the stories we tell ourselves that really, like, decide who we are. Like, if I keep telling myself, like, man, I'm built for this, I'm supposed to do this, then it happens. And, and also, like I said, to refer back to the re to rejection, it's n you're not always being rejected because you're not capable of doing it. Sometimes it's just like you're not the right person for the role. And another thing I learned, like auditioning is done, my mother told me this lesson. She was like, when you don't get the role, send love and, and, and almost a prayer to the person who does get it. Because then you're showing the universe and showing God that you believe in your path. And though that person got that role, that's, that role is for them. Mm -hmm. And your role and what you're supposed to have will happen for you. Just, just give wow. thanks and give love to that person. So I, I, I started practicing That's that. That's good advice, Mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now, 30 years after that album, you're making your debut as an actor on Broadway. Wow. Right there. The show is called Between Riverside and Crazy at the, at the Hayes Theater. Uh, A... Why did it take you so long to get to Broadway? What were you holding back? Oh. And why this one? I was dreaming of being on Broadway for a long time, just doing theater. 
I really, really wanted to do theater. Um, this play, this writer, Stephen Adley Girgis, is one of the great American playwrights. I read this play and was like, I want to be a part of this. I had to audition to get the role because he, Stephen, Stephen actually told me, he was like, man, you too evolved for this role. I, I said, man, listen, I'm not perfect, man. I'm working, I'm trying to get myself together. I can play this character you want. So I got the audition and, and, and I went in and, and did what I had to do. And I'm so grateful because this, this story is like a story where you meet people who are not all good, not all bad. And you, and you meet this father and son, it's based around a father and son relationship where the mother has just died, the wife has just died, and the father and son move in together. And they're trying to bond, build their relationship, but they never had a great relationship. And the son who I play, is bring, I'm bringing in people into our home. And we all got these things that we've done in our lives that we want to let go of. And it's this culmination of all these New York personalities coming together in this one apartment and the growth of that. And it doesn't like, it's not all, it's funny. It's very funny, but it has a lot of depth to it. And I just was like, this is the type of story and writing that I want to be a part of. I love being in that theater and people are laughing, but they leave changed. They leave like they've felt some real life, raw story of people and human beings that are not all perfect, but want to be better. So, I mean, I look at work that I want to do. The work that I want to do as an actor and as an artist is work that changes people's lives, that inspires people, but also entertains. It's what you do. Wow. Yeah. What you do. Nice of you to say. Yeah, Thank you very that's much. The truth. Well, can, can I tell I, you one thing before you ask me a question, too? Of course you can. One of, our, one of my castmates just told me she has a crush on you. So I'm just, her name is Rosal, so I got to say this. She said, he's so brilliant. I got one of those crushes on Steven, so I just had to let you know she got a crush on you. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get arrested when I was a young actor. And I'm curious what the first play you did was. Even like in school or something, what was the first thing you did? Oh, the first play I did was Christmas Carol. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. What yeah. were you in the Christmas Carol? I was, I was Tiny Tim. <laughs> <laughs> so you're really young. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I was really young. It was fifth grade. And I did the play and I gave my sweat and tears and I gave my soul to it. Tiny Tim has heart. And as soon as I finished the play, my mother kept saying, boy, my best friend, boy, Derek was so good in that play. Derek was so good. And I was like, I mean, she barely gave me any, like, compliment. I was like, I guess I better do something else, play basketball or do, because it's acting Hip-hop thing. it is. Yeah, hip-hop it has to be, because uh, she didn't give me any love. But now she's bringing 140 people to Broadway to watch this play on Saturday night, our friends and family night. <laughs> so I got... well- we have to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more Common, everybody. Stick around. When you're doing eight shows a week, when you're living in a Broadway theater, it, it's, it's like home. What do you have in there to make it more like home. I know I've, I've got a... I've, can you explain what's, what this is? I guess is what I'm asking. Okay. Well, these are like mantras, things to, to remind me of who I am and to inspire me. 
My, my chef, her name is Lauren Vanderpool, chef, queen of greens. I'm a vegan, so she cooks the best food, but she puts these messages on, on the containers. I like and this they, one. What I like this one right here. This one says, uh, I live bravely in my true authenticity, provolone burger and salad. <laughs> <laughs> Veggie burger, that's it. <laughs> Living in authenticity, yes. Well, I mean, are there, are there any lessons you've learned from doing Broadway now that you've done it? What have you learned about, you know, what's necessary? Man, it's, it's a sacred place. Um, it's a beautiful place. It's one of the, the most artistic um, expressions you can ever give. And you, you really are getting to share this experience with the audience. It took me back to the grassroots of just, like, I'm sharing my dressing room with someone. I'm, like, like initially, we didn't even have our own, like, have a makeup artist to do, like, whatever makeup, so... That's something that people don't understand about Broadway theaters, is that, yes, it's, it's, a, it's a pinnacle for, for many people in their career to be on Broadway, and it's a fantastic space and fantastic tradition. Backstage, it's very Backstage, limited. It's, it's limited. tight. It's limited. I, I'm learning. I got to sign in. I'm, I'm, I'm like such a freshman in, 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 on Broadway, because every day they like, Rashid, did you sign in? Did you sign in? Because you got It's so many little elements, but I appreciate everybody working on our team, on our production, because you see all the work that goes into it and the passion and the creativity. And it's like, we working, we in rehearsals, we, you know, we still in previews right now. Mm -hmm. So we opening night is the, is the 19th. And I'm just like, man, this is one of the greatest experiences I've had already. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the cast is just beautiful. I, and you had trouble getting there one night? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I had to, yeah. Well, as we talked about New York City being busy, one, one day we had two shows, um, and I decided to go to dinner, not too far away, maybe like two miles away from, from the theater. <laughs> Y'all already like, what are you doing, Carmen, right? That's, so our show is at 8 o'clock. I decided to leave at 7.10. I'm supposed to be in the theater at 7.30. I get in the Uber, it says 40 minute drive to get there. I'm panicking. Oh my God, I cannot be late. They're gonna really say this dude is a rapper coming late. You know, they, they all, they try to. Anyway, I, I, I see the, the, the bike taxi and I tell my sister Sabrine, we gotta get into the bike taxi. We get in the bike taxi, we rolling like we hit, he, he's, out, he's out there playing the Bee Gees, staying alive. We roll into the, and we, we really try to stay alive. And is this what this photo is? Did that is the photo. And, you and guys try to keep your composure while a guy's driving through? <laughs> I'm trying to stay calm and cool. And, and, he, and Sabrine told him to, you know, hurry up, hurry up. And he said, the more you tell me to go fast, the slower I'm going to go. So we chilled. I told him I had a performance to do. And he said, really, you doing theater? I said, yeah, I'm doing theater. He didn't know who I was, anything. He got us to the place. I, I mean, I got out, ran a couple of blocks, made it to the show. <laughs> but I've learned. I'm early every time. Now you're staying in the neighborhood? I'm staying in the neighborhood, staying in the theater. Good to see you. Thank, Thank you so you. much for being here. Thank you so much, Steve. Between Riverside and Crazies and Previews Now and opens December 19th at the Hayes Theater, it's common, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. Just one more thing. If you want to see more of me, come to The Late Show YouTube channel for more clips and exclusives. 